I believe we create our own magic on every level, whether you're attracting um, like lackluster things or things you deem as lackluster, which are probably coming into your world for you to heal something, realize something, become aware of something, release something. Or if you're creating absolute magic in your life, it's like both. It is how we create and experience our life. I'm, I'm a massive believer in it. I just don't, I don't focus so much on like quote unquote law of attraction. Like here I am doing my law of attraction work. It's just like, I expect magic. Welcome to the spiritual shift worker podcast. I'm Lyanne and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life, whether it's a small shift or a big shift. I will be sharing real life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back and enjoy. Welcome back to the Spiritual Shipworker Podcast. I'm Lyanne, your host, and I am so excited to introduce today's guest. Today's guest is the host of the Millionaire Girls Club Podcast, co-founder of the multi-million dollar brand Screw the 9 to 5, and is best known for her honest, yet cheeky, and very humorous <laughs> sense of humor, um, as well as her style of mentorship is none like I've ever seen before. Jill Stanton mm-hmm. helps women break through their mindset blocks so that they can 10x their wealth, their impact, and their life. Jill helps women connect with other epic souls who are shifting into their most authentic version of themselves. And she has created a community of hype girls who are here to cheer you on and inspire mm-hmm. you to play a bigger, bigger game. So welcome, Jill, to the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. Oh, I could listen to that all day. Keep going. (laughs) I could. I could. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked. Yeah, I just was um, just before I hit record, I was telling you I've I've been in your world on and off. Actually, I guess that was like 2020. Some of those programs Mm. that you and Josh had done. And I've seen your evolution. I've, I've watched you. And with this new podcast, your new brand, um, I just, I'm so excited to dig into this conversation about playing bigger. And Mm. I know that you have talked so much about the fact that you were playing small. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really want to go back and talk about those early days and how you've built your business and the fact that you are left Canada. Uh, I'm, was that 2020? Was that right before all the, I mean, I, we've left Canada so many times. We've lived in so many places. We've left Canada four different times. <laughs> but the last time was November 2020. Yeah, before it got weird. Yes, before it got very weird. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. And so. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. I'm like, and I'm still here being in the weirdness. <laughs> it's only getting weirder. But no. um, I, I dig into this whole other world of entrepreneurship and um, being with like-minded, you know, amazing mm-hmm. women. So can we just go back and sort of, how did you get into all of this entrepreneurial thing? Was this a family thing? Was this, you just didn't 
ever think you no. I was raised by teachers. <laughs> um, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a principal and they wanted nothing more than for me to get a job. <laughs> and I was just, I just always knew that I was never going to have like a regular nine to five. Like I was a bartender. So I had a different kind of nine to five in that I worked 9 PM till 5 AM. But, um, there was no chance I was ever going to get a, like, I remember I interned at CTV okay. <laughs> at eTalk daily. Oh my and God. that was like, even that only lasted like three months. And I was just like, can't do this. Like I hated being bossed around and like, Oh, I just really struggled with it. Um, but my journey really started probably back in like 2006 when I had this idea for a TV show, I pitched it to a producer in Toronto and he was like, this would be great for web TV. And I was like, web TV, who's watching TV on the internet. This is 2006. This is the days of MySpace. That was the year Google had bought YouTube. Like it was so new. Um, and so yeah, we rolled with it. Um, we had the show for about two years that amassed a million views. And then from there, as that was kind of fading out, um, one of my girlfriends and I decided to move to Australia and we were going to start a new web TV show there. It was sponsored by the Gold Coast Tourism Board. Like it was like, we seemed like we were getting on it. And then I met my husband, Josh. Um, he was living, he's Australian. He was living in Beijing, China, and had come to Toronto to see mutual friends that I had ended up meeting a couple months prior. They introduced us and like, long story short, because Josh never wanted anything to do with me in the first few days. And I was like, must have. Um, <laughs> but we finally started hitting it off. Um, and as we, you know, I moved over to Australia with my girlfriend, he came back from China. And truly, like, I, he was, this sounds so cheesy. It always sounds so cheesy when I say it, but it's true. Like, he was my first mentor. He taught me everything about entrepreneurship. He taught me how to write for the web, how to get traffic, how to pick like how to sell things online, how to make money online, how to build an email list, like all of it. He, he was, he taught me from the ground up essentially. Um, and so we made our first like hundred grand through affiliate sites. And then from there, you know, we were working online. I was no longer bartending. People were like, what are you guys doing for money? Like you drug dealers, what are you doing here? <laughs> and we had the idea to start sharing our journey. And that's how screw the nine to five came about. We had the idea on our wedding week in Costa Rica, probably the one week you're not supposed to work. Um, but it just hit us like a lightning bolt. And I was like, we were both like, that's the move. Um, but we didn't really know how to build a personal brand at that time. And so the first few years were just <laughs> so emotional and so messy. And, but we just kept throwing stuff at the walls and seeing what stuck. Um, our, I think one of our like big breakthrough, well, there was, there's been so many. I mean, it's hard to even like put it down to one, but our first failed launch was a huge moment for us. That was like deeply supportive, even though it was painful. And then um, also like starting a free Facebook group back in the day, like 2015, late 2014, I think it was that really started to click for us. And that's how we started building our community and started really gaining some traction in this space. And then in 2019, I had the idea for, MGC. I just knew I wanted to do something that was mine. Um, and this idea hit me like 
again, like if screw the nine to five hit me like a jolt of lightning, this was just like a deep knowing, like this is a move for me. I need to make this move. But I was so intimidated by it that I didn't do shit with it for nearly two years. Um, Cause I just, I had so many, just like I had had 10 plus years of like deeply humiliating, strained, isolating, lonely experiences with women. And then to then have an idea, a business serving women at a million. Like it just, I was so scared of it, but I couldn't shake it until I finally just gave myself the permission to be like, fuck it. I'm just going to try just see what happens. Like what's the worst that could happen. I already have a business. It's good. Um, and so I finally started dipping my toe in back in like 2021, ran my first one in 2022, ran my first retreat. Um, and even then I went into that being like, I don't know, like, Josh and I have such a good thing with screw the nine to five. And then on day two, I was like, I'm all in. And it was just like the best thing I had ever done. And the easiest, most intentional, most healing, fun, effortless thing. And after that, I couldn't unsee it. I was all in after that. And so I just ran my second one gearing up for my third. And so it's just been a process of like overcoming a lot of the things that still scare slash trigger me so that I can become the version of myself who runs MGC the way I want it, the way, like the vision I have for it. Amazing. Oh my gosh. There's so many things here. I want to like dig into. First of all, MGC is your brand, your new brand, Mm -hmm. and you run treats, retreats for six figure business women in business that are hitting a million. Yeah. So it's millionaire girls club. So all my retreats currently are for women who make a million plus, but I am opening the, I'm kicking off a new division in the company called her first million. And I have my first retreat for that this later this year in Thailand. And then I'm opening up a whole program, which will come with retreats and all of that. And so expanding into the market of where people are making like 25 or not 25, 250k plus, but want to make their first million. Right. Amazing. And so we, I love how you, you, you're so honest. And I've seen that when, when you speak about your journey with and relationships with other women. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what, what is it that shifted for you? Like, is it the fact that you weren't, you weren't of trusting of women? Was there something that happened like, or is it just something? And like, for me, I feel the same way and I'm really starting to overcome that. And given my profession, like I'm a police officer, so I don't, you know, there's very few of us. Um, and I work yeah. with men. So what, what's shifted for you to turn that around? Yeah. Well, my triggers around it happen or started or came about because I had very like scary situations with girls. You know, I was targeted. I had like 30 plus chicks around me in my car or, you know, I would have them like spray paint Jill's a slut on the school walls. So ballsy, Um, you know, just like really humiliating, degrading experiences. They would, this is so Canadian. They would chuck ice balls at me or, you know, just all the things that like dickhead chicks can do. Yeah, (laughs) Um, And it was just deeply, humiliating and terrifying and even for the experience where the girls barricaded me in my car you know 
like I had two other girlfriends in the car with me and I understand, I obviously understand why they didn't do anything. It was a really scary situation. Um, but in that moment, I wanted nothing more than for someone to stand up for me, you know, just another woman to, or another girl to just be like, I've got you. And I did not have that, which I understand, but either way in that moment, I internalized or developed the belief that women will either attack or abandon you. And that served me for so long until it no longer served me. And I was just like attracting the same kind of situations over and over with girlfriends. Like they would be petty or they would backstab or they would talk about you or they would attack you or whatever it is, you know? And I finally, like I remembered in 2019, late 2018, I finally, like, I remember this so vividly. I was in, I was in Florida, um, just outside of Tampa. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to get really clear on who I want to call into my life. Like, I'm so sick of not having good girlfriends. Who do I want to call into my life and who really matters to me? I have one really great girlfriend who I've known since 2014, Kate Erickson or Kate Dumas now, yeah. um, John Lee Dumas's wife. She's been such a rock in my life. But other than that, I didn't really have a lot of like, healthy female relationships that were inspiring to me. And so I just started doing the work. Like, who do I want to, who do I want to call into my life? And slowly, but surely I started creating really intentional relationships and obviously doing the work that comes with like cleaning up a lot of the preconceived notions I had there and opening myself back up. And, you know, through that journey, I think really, I think that journey has really supported me with MGC and I still have so far to go with it. Like I was saying to Josh yesterday, I'm in this place where a lot of like latent fears around women have started popping up for me, but it seems like it's louder than ever before. And I said to Josh, I believe this is because it's being ready to be released. You know, it's like coming up so loudly for me where like this fear of rejection or this fear of like, um, getting my heart broken or trusting someone again and them betraying me again or anything like that. Like all of these latent like fears and emotions have been coming up so strongly for me over the last like couple of weeks that I'm like, Oh, it's coming up because it's going, you know? And my body's just like, no, this is our safety blanket. (laughs) So just really trying to stay present and intentional with that. So I can clean that up and become, even more of myself. Yeah, I think that's very much true, right? When you're ready to go to that next level, there's a lot of shit that needs to be literally let out the door. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you've talked about that where you realized that's one aspect of things when dealing with with that trauma, but that you were playing small. And what what do you say about that? Like, why do you feel, was that all in base to the relationship with women Or as you mentioned at the beginning, like Josh had been your mentor, had taught you everything. Mm. um, And you were, you know, sort of just sort of on the sidelines in some of the training Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So is that what you're referring to when you're playing small? Is that you were never in the spotlight? Yeah. Well, I was always in the spotlight, but never, I never believed I was smart. Mm. And so I would shy away from teaching. Like 2020 was the first time I ever taught anything on my own. And it was my first ever mindset series. Um, and after that, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> 
I have believed I'm not smart for most of my life. And it turns out I'm a pretty good coach. And so let's see what we can do with this. Um, so in that capacity, like putting myself out there, being willing to be criticized, that's been a huge piece of me playing small, not marketing my events, not creating content, not getting MGC out there in a intentional focused way. One of my clients said to me, oh, that's so cute. You're hiding in plain sight. And I was like, that's very true. You know, I just, I think I did it as a way to protect myself. I mean, even when the girls would ask me, like my retreat clients would ask me like, how can we support you? And I'd be like, you know, I'm only open to this growing through um, referrals, which is just such a limiting thing. Yes, I want referrals, but I also want to be able to control the growth of it. I want to like have an active hand in growing it. And I think that was just, I was scared. I didn't want to fail. I was anticipating rejection. Um, and I just was in my own way <laughs> in so many ways. Like I was just really operating from a place of fear, which has just become more and more evident to me over the last little bit. And even like, I didn't have anyone on my team for a while. Cause I was like, nah, I'll just do it. All I need is 12 girls at my retreat. Like I was just assigning so many limits to myself. It was crazy because I never did that in screw the nine to five, but the second it was me in my own thing, supporting women, I just, it was so tempting to shrink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what have, what modalities or what have you used to work through that? I mean, we're also working through those things. It's never done, right? But what have you used mm-hmm. recently or that you're still using that's stepping you out of that fear? So a lot of things have supported me. Um, I'm, I love breath work. That's been so big for me. I feel, I was just talking to a girl, her name's Regina and she has a whole breath work brand. And I was saying, you know, she was saying like in breath work when you meditate and I was like, mm. I really struggle to meditate. I think it tate, which is still thinking all the way through a meditation. <laughs> um, but breath work has been so helpful for me because it's a very like active process. And so that's been huge. I'm a big reader. And so doing a lot, reading a lot of books that can support around this. Um, I've worked with many coaches. I've done plant medicine. I've done, um, intuitive readings, channeling. I've started going off the goddamn deep end with human design and learning about my design that way. (laughs) I'm now starting to learn about gene keys and starting to understand myself more deeply there. And so it's just been a process. It hasn't been like one thing. I work with a coach now who's like essentially just a therapist, not just, she's amazing. She's a coach, but she's also a therapist. (laughs) Um, And she has been like really so such a beautiful support in my life. Um, And so it's just been a succession of things. Like it's not just one thing it's been, I've, and also I would say number one, truly, if I were to put it down is I've built um, awareness around the limiting thoughts, I think, or the triggers that I experience or the fears I experience, or just like I, I've tried to be more intentional with what I'm thinking and the like underlying root of that. And so emotional awareness and emotional intelligence has probably been one of the biggest contributing factors to helping myself heal or just go into my next level of expansion. I love that. Yeah, that is, um, I'm, I'm a meditation teacher as well. And awareness is, is huge, right? Until you realize Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> that there's something going on. You'll know. I mean, awareness is all of it, all of it. It's the first domino. And I do like, I like how you say, right. There's this critic that's always sitting here. Um, and so what do you do when that, that little voice pops in there? That's once you just shrink well, you again. On my fun little therapy notes here. <laughs> I have this on my desk all the time so that I can stay mindful of it is um, like one thing that my coach pointed out to me is I'm quite hard on myself and it's because I no longer have anyone else who's sitting there chipping away at my self-esteem. And it became such a, like, it was such an ever present thing for me for years, like 10 plus years, having that voice in my head from, you know, various women, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're a slut, you're bliss, blah, 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 whatever. And when they were no longer there, it's like, I took that over myself. Mm-hmm. And so becoming, I've almost became like a self abuser <laughs> in some capacity. And so I've really started trying to um, build my awareness around the voice that is the bully and the voice that is the wise one. Mm-hmm. And so really, just starting to catch that. Like I have this process that I do all the time with myself. Well, as much as I can like be consciously aware of it's called catch, cancel, correct. And so as I start to catch myself in the thought spirals or in a limiting thought or whatnot, I try like to catch it as fast as I can. Right. Um, you know, this is unsafe. Will this ever work? Whatever it's going to be. I like try to catch that as fast as humanly possible. And I'm a weirdo. So I say cancel out loud. Like I'll just say cancel over and over until I've actually interrupted the thought. I'm like so committed to it at this point. Um, and so I'll be like, cancel, 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 cancel. Um, and then once I finally interrupted the thought, I'll correct it with what I want to believe. Um, and so that practice is like choosing my first thought when I wake up, even if I like, wake up to hit the bathroom or something. And you know, when your like brain slightly turns on, I will consciously try to choose like I'm safe, supported and guided in all ways, always. And so I just try to always remind myself because my brain's, my brain easily slips into disempowerment. Um, And so that's been, that's been so huge for me is really trying to stay mindful of what I'm thinking and then choosing the thoughts I want to think and the beliefs like I had this phrase come to me the other day in breath work is like discernment with my thoughts or discernment over my thoughts and devotion to my expansion. And so that's just what I'm trying to, trying to do, just be discerning with what I choose to think and then forever devoted to continuing to unravel and Mm. all the things that no longer serve me. So I can step into, like I said, more of myself. I love that. Yeah. It's uh Having self-compassion, that's what came to me this morning after my meditation was self-compassion, you know, Mm. and love and grace and just grace for sure, you know, being able to accept that where you are, not that you can't believe where you're going, but you also have to be okay and accepting of where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And so when you're, you're coaching the, like on your retreats, um, with these women, what is like, they're maybe not at that level yet, right? They're maybe not at, or they're at their million and they want to go more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it all the same type of mindset blocks that you see the self-sabotage, mm-hmm. the negative thoughts? I it's mean, different for everyone. 
right? They've got themselves that far. That's, but are they mm-hmm. doing it through hustle and grind or are they doing it in flow? Not everyone. No, not everyone. I would say at least the ones that I tend to attract into MGC, like everyone who's made millions, they've done it from a mostly rooted place. There are, I mean, they work hard, of course, but they don't do it from a place of scarcity, proving or lack. Um, they, I would venture to say the reason they are successful and have held the success is because they have a very rooted mindset. Like they are, they love what they do, love what they do. All of them are so lit up by what they do. Um, they have deep meaning and purpose with it. And <clears throat> similar to all of us, they're, they're always building awareness around the things that they don't even realize are holding them back. Now, not everyone has the same level of awareness, but I, I truly believe that's why they're finding my retreats or working with me in some capacity is because I'm on that journey and I deeply believe in it. And I think that the ones who are ready for that level of support or that kind of experience find their way to me. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's like my favorite thing to help with is just, I don't know, just overcoming a lot of the blocks to become more, to become the version of you who has everything you say you want, who has it all. Yeah. What do you, what do you feel about law of attraction? And the whole like, like, what do you mean? Like, how do I feel about it in general? Yeah. Esther Hicks like changed my whole damn life back in 2014 when I first found her stuff. Um, I remember this guy that we knew in, we were living in Thailand, such a funny full circle moment because I'm back in Thailand now. But um, I remember this guy, Zach was like, oh yeah, Abraham Hicks. And I was like, who's that? And he was like, okay, brace yourself because this is going to sound really weird. (laughs) And he showed me one of her earlier videos and I just like, it just clicked for me. I was like, ooh, I could get down with this. And I just started getting into her work. Um, like, I think it was what three, four weeks after I found her stuff was the first time Josh and I sold one of our businesses and we had been wanting to, but we just didn't have any buyers. And then we went on like this beautiful Esther Hicks rampage, perfect wording for her. Um, (laughs) and three to four weeks, we, three to four weeks later, we got our first like offer for it. And I was just like, Oh shit, maybe this stuff works. <laughs> um, but it's just like I believe we create our own magic on every level. Whether you're attracting um like lackluster things or things you deem as lackluster, which are probably coming into your world for you to heal something realize something, become aware of something, release something, or if you're creating absolute magic in your life, it's like both. It is how we create and experience our life. I'm, I'm a massive believer in it. I just don't, I don't focus so much on like quote unquote law of attraction. Like here I am doing my law of attraction work. It's just like, I expect magic and therefore I experience it. Yes. And I think that Um, is the key right where people hear about that and they think that it's it's just going to come you still need to do the work but you also have the expectation that good things are going to happen right it's that positive mindset that and not even that I think it's becoming the version of you Mm -hmm. 
who has all the things you say you want. And so like, what is that? Right. It's beliefs to me, at least it's beliefs, decisions, and actions. Okay. Because Esther's the first one to say, like, you still have to take action. You know, she's the first one. She's like, it's not just sitting there in your thoughts. You actually have to then move. Um, But I think it's more so like, what are the values that version of you have? What are the beliefs you think? What are the kind of decisions you make? What are the actions you take based on the decisions you make? Like, how do you show up for life? How do you show up for yourself? What are some of the standards you set for how life goes for you? You know, and so I think that is more of the work. And it's funny because anytime someone's new to law of attraction or just like this whole world of, you know, creating and experiencing your best life is I almost forget that most people don't know about it. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you don't? What What do you mean? Like when people sit and like complain and shame spirals, I, I almost, I'm like, fuck, I forgot people actually like don't know about this stuff. Um, Cause it's just been like such a huge pillar of my life for like, I don't know, five plus years. Um, And when someone's not conscious of, you know, how they're being, what they're doing, what they're saying, what they're thinking, the habits they're in, the reactions they have, you know, like if someone's like super reactionary, I'm just like, whoa, homie, like, what do you not know, like how to control your emotions? But no, the answer is no, most people do not, Um, which is why they keep experiencing the same kind of shit. You know, it's why if they already have stuff they don't want, if their life doesn't look the way they want, if they don't have the relationship, the money, the friendships, the self-esteem, I would venture to say it's because they're recreating the same stuff over and over by continuing to believe it, expect it, live it, you know, acknowledge it, yeah. amplify it. You know, it, it all comes down to, I think as you embody the version of you who has everything you say you want things just speed up and law of attraction looks like, Oh, look at me. I'm quote unquote manifesting. It's like, no, you became that version of you. Right. And that's where I think people yeah. don't understand what that actually means to embody that. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. people get it where it's like, I didn't. Yeah, no, and not. And you know what? <laughs> not until recently did that, that my coach and mentor, that I really clicked as well. Like I've been the same thing. I've been into this for a few years and it's like, I get what the words are, but there was one thing that was like, Oh shit. That's what I was missing. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you're not ready to hear it. Right. Sometimes you're never, you're not ready and that's okay until you're ready. Yes, exactly. And once it just clicks and it's like this deep resonance for you, that's when I feel like it, it is you. It becomes you. You become it. Yeah. It's just how you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, it, you mm-hmm. literally become that version, that version of you that you see sort of in your dreams. And it's like, oh, this is who I'm meant to be. This is who I am. Um, yeah. And, and I think identifying the essence of that, when you say like who you see in your dreams, I I think at least the biggest piece of that is what is the essence of that? Like for me, as I was trying to understand, like, you know, as we're all like, I want to be a multimillionaire and blah, 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 blah. But then when I finally like started examining, I was like, what is the essence of that though? Like what is underneath millions for me? What am I associating millions with? And I realized it was peace. Yeah. I just wanted peace. 
I wanted to not wake up stressed anymore. I wanted to not feel anxious. And I, I didn't want to be at the mercy of my thoughts. I just wanted peace. I wanted to know I was supported and guided and, you know, aligned and happy and everything was working out for me. And to me, that was peace. And so now the practice is how can I create peace every single day in my life? Sometimes it might not feel possible, but can I find like one minute where I feel peaceful or something feels really good for me? Like last night I was at the beach with Josh and our kid and it was just like such a beautiful sunset. And my, my son was so happy and it was just like such a beautiful evening. And I was like, this is one of those peaceful moments. Like, I love living an easy life, like E-A-S-E dash Y. Like that is what I'm after. I definitely love having money and success and all of the options that gives you for sure. And what really matters to me is peace. Yeah. I was just thinking about this on my breathwork session before this, which is why it's so present for me right now, because money without like anxious money, mm-hmm. ugh, It's just like, I don't know if there's anything more triggering, (laughs) but peaceful money, like that's what I'm after. Yeah, I think I would totally agree that that is when you get down to the feeling of it, what is it that you actually want to feel, right? And it's never about the money. You can have a million, Mm -hmm. million, five million, whatever in the bank. But if it's not giving you that feeling, and that's the same thing, it's that sense of peace of you know, being able to do whatever you want without the work, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. knowing you're supported. Money always shows up for you. Like it's, it's this beautiful supportive energy. I just, that's been a huge shift for me because I used to feel so anxious around money. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, I feel like I avoided it. Like I never properly managed it. Um, And now I have like a very deep, intimate relationship with my money, which is great. Like Josh and I have just had to create habits and routines with it to become more conscious with it, more like a better steward of it, better manager of it. And because we've done that, it takes away a lot of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like the, the feeling of like fear or volatility that can come with the feelings of money. So what, what is it? Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it totally does. Because I think so many people, um, and maybe I shouldn't generalize, but really do avoid it. If you're avoiding it, there's a problem because it's, we know in our world that we speak about, it's just energy and it's an Mm. energy exchange. It's just the, the, the tool that we use. And yet so many people can avoid looking at the credit cards. I've been guilty of that myself. And then it's like, you know, it's like. Well, that's like, you're treating, you're treating your money like a, you know, a bad date. Like what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about that, you have such an intimate relationship with that. Was it that, was that part of dealing with that and healing that relationship with money able you to step into being more of the version of you being able to heal that? Like, what did you do? Yeah, I think we just got to the place of we're like, what are we doing? we're making all this money and we're not even properly managing it. Like it was almost like the veil fell off for us. And we're like, what the fuck? What are we doing? Like, why haven't we taken this seriously? Like we've squandered so much money. (laughs) Um, 
but we were never taught how to manage money. Yeah. My parents weren't like, here's how you build wealth. They were teachers, you know, <laughs> like they were, I we mean, for the pension. And, and also like, I remember when I was 18, my dad, cause he was a principal. Um, like after I became, uh, he became a principal when I was 14. And I remember when I was 18, he said to me, if you open up a savings account or maybe a set of investment account, I'll match every dollar you put in. But I didn't have context as to why that even matters or what that could be. Like there was no like, and here's why that matters because compound interest, you know, like if you do $10 a month and I match $10, if you do 50 and I, like I was bartending at the time, I had so much cash and I blew it all the fucking time. And my dad was always like, I'll match whatever you put in. I, I wish someone would have explained to me why that is a a badass deal. You know what I mean? Because then who knows what I would have had by now. I'm 40, almost 42. That's what is that? 22 years later, you know, putting away a hundred bucks a month. I don't know. That's like 1200 a year. I probably put more because I had so much money at the time, you know? And so, but there was never any explanation. So that's one thing I'm definitely going to teach my kid is like, how do we manage money? How do we have a good, solid, healthy, peaceful relationship with money so that it can support you, you know, so that you always know you're taken care of no matter what. And you can slip out of the anxious thoughts and into the like, sweet, what do I want to do with my life? Cause there's no pressure. Mm, yeah. And we're, it's funny you say that because, uh, my oldest is 13 and uh, he's just read, um, oh my goodness, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And there's a teen one. And now we've got him reading The Wealthy Barber. And it's like, like, I know what I came here for, right? Like I'm here to change that generation and have mm. them be able to understand that there's a different way. There's a different yes. way to do it. Like that. that and we're going, I mean, I don't even know what work will look like for our kids in a few years. Like who knows? All I know is that like the best thing I can do for my son is teach him emotional intelligence, self-awareness, um, how to make money and how to manage it. Like how to be an independent thinker and how to create his own stability. Mm. Like, I don't know what the world's going to look like. And I mean, he's five. So, I mean, what's it going to look like in 20 years? Who knows, man? Like, I don't even know what jobs will look like. And also if he gets a job, I've, I've done something wrong, but you know what I mean? (laughs) He can get a job if he wants. (laughs) Well, my my youngest wants to be a YouTube star. So, uh, you know, there we go. Influencer life. (laughs) It is right. But I think we've come here to change that, right? Like you don't have to go to university. You don't have to get in the job for 30 years to wait for the pension. Like that's, yes, that's where I'm, I'm at right now. Although that's clearly changing and my awakening has changed to, I don't have to do this for the rest of my Mm -hmm. time. And so being able to teach the next generation. And like you said, who knows what the hell things are going to look like, Mm -hmm. but teaching them the basics of, connecting to themselves and and being emotional, intelligent, and just sticking with their creativity and being able to just be free, really. Yes. 
I don't want to teach my kid his human design. <laughs> yes. yes. He's a two five generator with oh most God. of his energy centers defined. Um, <laughs> like seven out of nine or something. And he's hermit, but leader, like mm. a little reluctant leader. And so, you know, he's got a, a wild imagination and I just want to do anything I can to protect his spirit. Yeah. Um, because I just think kids go through some, and also like truthfully straight up, I'm very stoked right now to be out of North America. Like I don't oh. want my kid anywhere near <laughs> the vibe in North America right now, because it's just yeah. weird. And yeah. I live in never, never land, <laughs> which is what Southeast Asia is to me. <laughs> and I just want him to have a peaceful upbringing, you know, like where he feels deeply honored and supported and he can create whatever he wants to create and have buddies. And there's not like yeah. school shootings and social issues and all this crazy shit that's going on over there right now. I just yeah. will do whatever I can to protect him from that for as long as I can. Yes. Don't, uh, certainly don't need to rush back to Canada. Please. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. No. Oh my goodness. So I just have a, a sort of, you've sort of already really answered the question as far as finding the, the harmony right now and, and being in that peace. Mm. Cause I don't, I don't adhere to sort of this work life balance. And like you said, you live in never, never land right now. So it's, it's <laughs> all like joyful and beautiful. Uh, you don't have to deal with Canadian winters anymore. Um, mm -mm. But like where between building your brand and building your business, which you're passionate about and finding just the you time. Right. And, and, and even just being by yourself, like where do you find the harmony in that right now? Well, I'm a manifester in human design. So I deeply, 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 deeply crave time by myself. Yeah. Um, and Josh and I are really like, we're, we're so solid in our partnership. Like we are so yin and yang and we give each other space and time to go do our own thing. And so for me, every single day I work out. Um, and so that is very much one of my, times to just like put my either listen to an audiobook or I listen to my superhuman app. Um, and I'll just, or I work out with my trainer or outside of that, I blocked off the rest of my day today because I'm just in a bit of a ranny, ranny, manny rest moment. And so I just feel the call to like do breath work and read today. And so I'm just like, I don't want to say words and I'm just going to like sit in my cute little bedroom with my great view and like stare at it and do breath work and listen to books and just recharge my energy. And so I used to really, really, really struggle to do that. Like I, my parents always taught me hard work equals success. Mm -hmm. And so I would just push through moments where my energy was depleted to be like, don't be a little bitch, Jill, just like get it done. You'll feel better if you just push through and get it done because then you will have accomplished something. And I'm, now I'm like, no, it slows me down so drastically when I don't acknowledge my energy. And I think also learning about human design has helped me understand that as well. It's like, I am such a fervent believer in human design. I wish schools would right. learn human design. Don't you think that would be oh amazing? It would explain a lot of things, right? It would, as well as um, the whole like cyclical on your cycle, you know, yes. following that, especially for women, it makes more sense to me. It's like, ah, oh, that makes sense now why I have no energy. Yes. Like it's, it's unbelievable the things and the tools that are available right now. But yeah, and I wish 
like I teach my kids meditation. So it's the one thing that I love that. Them down, right? It's like, let's like, let's just bring it down and breathe and bring ourselves back into the present moment. Yes. Human design would be freaking amazing. Oh, teach. My so. kid goes to a Waldorf school right now, which is just like in an elephant sanctuary. It's very chill outdoors, like free flowing. But his teacher was saying, because again, my kid is a generator and he's got big energy. And the teacher was like, you know, Kai was like here, there and everywhere today. I was like, okay, I'm going to say something. You're not going to know what I mean, but you should very much look into a thing called human design because my kid is a generator. You need to know he has a lot of energy and he needs to use it every single day. Or like, and just knowing that about him, like when he comes home, once I pick him up and we come inside, he does not want to say words for the first like 30 minutes. All he does, we have a sectional couch and all he does is jump on it for like literally 30 minutes straight just to like get his energy out. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. That's his two line. And then he just wants to jump out his energy. That's it. And so because I know he's a generator with like big energy, I'm like, do it go for it. And like, I really think schools knowing this stuff, I know I'm getting so off track, but I feel very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. I feel as though if schools knew about like the design types, they would be able to better support their kids or their students in such a big way because a projector's energy is going to tank. And then they're going to be like, I'm tired. I need a break. But a generator is going to like run circles around them being like, you know, don't let the team down. 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 You know? And then like a Manny's going to be like, I want to do this. and I want to do this. And MG is going to be like, you know, it's just so many different, you could serve the kids so much better if you just had a stronger wow. understanding of how their energy works. And I feel like, yep. Yeah. I'm sure. There's, that would just make school so much more supportive for kids. I think. Yeah. I mean, all you have to look at is over the years of how those types of kids that have that energy were labeled, like now some of them, like put them on the drug, settle them down. Yes. Like, like exactly. my, my youngest, same thing. He is so hyper. And yet when he comes home, he wants to nothing to do with it. He goes to his room. He chills out and it's like, do you know his design? I don't, but I think I'm going to have to figure oh. it out now. So, oh yeah, um, for sure. I like communicate through i'm i know all of my clients designs i tailor my communication based on design like i'm yeah. off the deep end with it i'm just anyone i talk to i'm like what's your human design it's so important to understand right the psychology and then i know for business right like knowing how people buy or how how you buy mm -hmm. what's it all works together when we understand how we work as human beings right Mm -hmm. um, I think mm -hmm. it's very, very fascinating. I appreciate you so much, Jill. I, I, and now that you have, I, you got up very early for me this morning. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I just want to ask like the one last question is what is the next version of you? What's the next version of Jill? Mm. <laughs> Cause I think you're stepping in there, right? You're, you're, you're getting there. You're at the ceiling. For sure. I think it's someone who doesn't anticipate rejection. I think it's someone who has dialed down the noise of the bully and up the frequency of the wise one. It is someone who has, is peaceful, driven by expansion, fearless, courageous, and just like deeply rooted in her own knowing that it all works out. I feel as though I'm on my way. I just, I'm also very aware I have stuff that trips me up when it comes to female relationships and stuff. Yeah. 
Well, we all have, but it also serves a point because I know how they, I know what it feels like to feel triggered around female relationships. And so I can support my clients with that, you know? So it's been deeply of service. Amazing. Even if it's painful. Yeah. Well, you know, as they say, right on the other side of that, on the other side of those boulders that we need to either go around or go through or go over is, is all the best things. And mm-hmm. so learning everything serves yes. and limits us in every, in, in both ways. Right. So. Absolutely. The contrast. Yeah. Where can the listeners find you, follow you and learn mm. a little bit more about you? Yeah. The easiest way to connect is just over on my IG at the millionaire girls club. Amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And if you have loved this episode as much as I have, make sure you share and tag both of us and we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shipper Group podcast out to those that need it most. I can't wait to connect with you online, so make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shiftworker and on Instagram at Lianne Magahi. It's time to enjoy the shift, one breath at a time.